I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello everyone. Charles Watts here joining you for a very special episode of Inside Arsenal today. We're going to ignore the transfer window for once and what's going on around the sort of off-pitch type stuff when it comes to Arsenal and focus more on the on-pitch stuff because let's face it, that's what's really important at the moment. And Arsenal are about to play their first game of their pre-season tour over in the US against the MLS All-Stars. I thought I'd pop on, do a bit of a special episode today talking about that game, looking at who Arsenal might face and uh, getting a bit of a lowdown on some of the players involved. So I'm joined today by Ryan Tolmich, the American correspondent at my former employer's goal, Stroke Football Co., to get his views on the game. Very much expert opinion uh, from Ryan. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for joining me. Good, good. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a busy week, a fun week uh, from an Arsenal's perspective, just because it is something so unique and something so different for you guys to kind of understand what's going on over here. So yeah, looking to dive into it and explain a little bit to you guys. Yeah, and it is exactly that. I mean, to be honest, I've just been, I've been kind of looking at it as we get closer to the game. And there's been so much going on that, you know, I didn't even realize was taking place. It's like a big, long week building up to the match, basically, with lots of stuff uh, going on. So lots to get um cracking on today I mean just talk about that for for a start before we get on to you know who Arsenal might face some of the players involved I mean the actual all-stars event it's not just a match there's so much going on so can you explain to us a little bit about what this whole sort of week entails yeah so all-star week is definitely a, a big week uh in American soccer and MLS uh just because it's one of the few weeks where you can kind of predict where things are going to be in a way and that you know the way MLS cup works is that they have the the higher seed hosting so you can never really get everyone together with a big plan uh that's what all-star week is you know they plan this out like a year in advance you know they have a whole week of events whether that's concerts or charity events or or tournaments or you know and we get into the skills challenge the all-star game it's just a, a week of events where everyone can kind of be centrally located from from legends to players to sponsors the whole thing so it's a it's a big old gathering that's that's a celebration of mls uh in the last few years it's been a little bit more of a competitive match because it's been MLS versus Liga MX All-Stars, which has kind of added a new wrinkle to it. But this year they go back to the old format, which is MLS versus one of the big European teams, which is what brings Arsenal into this for uh, this fun little week of, of All-Star action. 
Mm-hmm. And the week's already got underway, isn't it? It's already started. Yeah, yeah. It started, I believe, on Sunday, um, just with like arrivals and training and, you know, like I said, concerts, charity events. You know, there's there's a whole bunch going on. It's a, it's a whole week. I know I saw yesterday some of the MLS guys were out there with uh, First Lady Jill Biden doing something at the White House. So there's there's a whole there's a whole week of events going on as they kind of get into all this. Yeah, I think it's something over here. We just don't really get how sort of big an event it is. We see it as maybe just one sort of prestige friendly and not everything else that goes around with it. I mean, it's been something that's come into the headlines over here fairly recently. Todd Bowley, obviously Chelsea owner, he brought it up and brought up the kind of prospects for Premier League All-Stars team taking on like the best of the rest in Europe, something like that, and having a big event. It's something obviously MLS do and other the, the big sports in America do as well. And it's something we don't really... Yeah, I mean, is it something that you could see coming to coming to Europe and being a success over here? Yeah, so just in terms of like, if, if I'm a, as a fan, you know, I think that would be something that would be very fun to watch, you know, because the, the thing about All-Star Games is it's a chance to see players who don't normally play together, play together. And whether it's a meaningful game or not, that's, that's always something cool. You know, when you think about it, like, how cool would it be to see Bukayo Saka playing with Kevin De Bruyne? playing with Mo Salah you know like that's just like a cool thing to watch so there's that aspect of it the the tricky part is of course is that these players realistically play enough games and they have Mm -hmm. enough going on on the schedule whether that's Champions League friendlies uh, international tournaments you know league cup there's just so much on the schedule already that figuring out where this would go would be the tricky part but just as a a neutral as someone who would want to see this like the idea of seeing players link up whether that's Premier League versus La Liga or whether that's North versus South, whether that's, you know, whatever format, whether it's a draft, like the NBA, the way they do it is they have two captains. We'll say it's, you know, Bukayo Saka and and Kevin De Bruyne and they pick teams like like on the schoolyard, you know, Saka picks a guy. And that's something that's been very fun because you get to see that little inside of how they would kind of draft like that. So, yeah, it's an interesting concept to see, but fitting it on the schedule and, and getting all the clubs and players to buy in would obviously be pretty tricky. Yeah, I think from a from over here, I think that he kind of looking at what the fans think, and they're like, I can't imagine Saka getting an injury playing in an All Stars yeah. game, and you know, Arsenal fans couldn't be able to get their heads around that. I don't think but the prospect of losing such a key player in an All Stars game against a La Liga eleven. I think it's something that it would, it would it would take a lot of getting used to, shall we say, over here. But obviously, it's a very big success over over in the states and um a man that we all know very well over here is managing the all-stars team today um uh, sorry on thursday our time wayne rooney we've seen his um the 28 players he has got available to him and his squad is in front of me if you're watching this on youtube you can see this on the screen right now and it's quite interesting the way this is selected because it's not just wayne rooney he gets to pick the squad that he's got available to him it's some's voted by the fans some selected by wayne rooney and some's even vote um, selected by the mls commissioner so i mean it's, it's quite an interesting way of selecting a, a squad for a game yeah it's it's definitely fun you know because you get sort of a whole bunch of different types of players to get in you know generally the manager picks players that one he's comfortable with and two that are the the top stars in the league you know on form you know you look at the historically that's kind of been where the way they've gone is is pick the guys that they think give them the best chance to win the game because at the end of the day that's what the manager's trying to do the fans you know in in certain years it's been kind of dependent on who's in the league but the fans generally just want to see the stars so a lot of the times you used to see the van vote fan vote give you you know the steven gerrard's the zlatan ibrahimovic's the frank lampard the david is like those guys were were always getting voted in you know by the fans because that's at ultimately who the fans wanted to kind of see in this game so you had that kind of interesting balance where if you look at it this year it's a little bit of the opposite where you look at the fan vote and like generally those are the players that are doing well that are scoring goals that are playing well in the league 
And then you always have that wild card pick, which is the commissioner's pick with Don Garber. And uh, this year he kind of changed it up. Normally he was he was pretty famous for for picking the biggest stars that had been left off, you know, a few years ago uh, during Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard's arrival. They arrived, you know, after the European season, the MLS All-Star game was in the summer and they got picked as All-Stars despite really making no contribution to MLS. And But that's that's the way it goes. You know, you wanted to see those players in those games. But this year you look at the picks and, and it's not necessarily names that'll be familiar to you guys. So that's one thing. It's it's fun ones, definitely with Kai Kamara being one of, you know, MLS's all-time leading scorers, and he's a guy that kind of deserves this sort of moment. But yeah, it's definitely a, a bit of a different roster than in years past. So was there, was there, I mean, he's barely walked through the door yet, but was there actually genuine calls for, you know, Messi to be involved in this oh, potentially yeah. with one of those, one of those picks from Garber? Yeah, I think everyone half expected it just because at the end of the day, like it's, that would be the most fun thing, isn't it? Like, wouldn't it be pretty fun to watch Lionel Messi come out and, and run around with these guys and take on Arsenal? I think that's kind of what everyone wanted to see. But I think it's also understanding that Messi himself might not be too keen on hopping right into an all-star game before he even plays with his club. So, yeah, I think the timing didn't really work out uh, based on how it all works. But I think if there was any way possible they could have gotten Messi into the squad, I think they would have done it just because, you know, the eyeballs you would have gotten with Messi walking out there representing MLS would have been would have been a pretty big one for the league. Mm-hmm. What does this sort of game tend to mean to the, to the MLS players involved? Is it something they really care about? Is it something that, you know, over the years they've you know really put a lot of emphasis on or is it just for them, you know, a bit of a friendly? So that's that's one of the tough things, um, really, is that MLS players, especially with this current format where they take on a European team, it's kind of a no win for them in that if they win the game, it's because the other team was in preseason. They played the kids. They didn't take it seriously. But if they lose the game, it, it turns into this whole this whole discussion about MLS as a whole. It's like, oh, MLS's best players couldn't even beat Arsenal's youth team. You know, it turns into like this whole discussion on that. So it really is a, a no win proposition from them from a sporting perspective just because it is such a tough spot for everyone involved and everyone's always kind of trying to find takeaways from what all this stuff means that's kind of why the old format the the one that they had the last few years was so interesting just because it was mls versus Liga mechies so there was that obvious rivalry there was two teams kind of on the same playing field it was it was obviously a lot of passion in it because there is always this sporting rivalry between the u.s and mexico so it was just this interesting balance there but yeah, for this game, a lot of these players take it seriously just because, one, it's a chance to play against some of the best players in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that a lot of these guys will take. But then also when you look at some of the guys on this roster, a lot of them are there's a couple of young guys here who could make the move to Europe in the next few years. So those are guys who will be eager to kind of get out there and, and kind of make it put on a good show and show that they are kind of capable at playing at this level. So, yeah, it's an interesting mix of, of how how you kind of view this game. But I think everyone on the MLS side definitely wants to win. You know, they want to come out and and represent the league and represent themselves and their clubs and and show themselves well. But yeah, it's just interesting how the fans kind of take a look at it as we kind of keep going and and evolving the format of how it goes. Right. So ahead of this, I sort of asked you, I was like, okay, give me some, give me some of the names you expect, you know, big talking points of the game, people we can talk about who who you expect could make a bit of an impact on them. So we're going to run through, a few of these players now. We'll start off with Thiago Almeida. Warren, what's what's he going to bring to this squad, and why do you why have you sort of tipped him to be potentially a bit of a standout in this game? Yeah, so he's 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 the M- the next MLS big money sale. He's the guy that if you want to you know look ahead to all right, which guy is going to come from MLS and and become the next you know we'll say like Miguel Almiron, the next guy to go over to Europe and and kind of make that thirty million dollar move. This is the guy. You know, Almada was on Argentina's World Cup squad. 
you know, he, he played in a game in Qatar, you know, and, and obviously I think, you know, given his age and his profile, like that's a huge achievement. You know, MLS has never had a guy playing at that level before. You know, you have a guy who's who's playing with Lionel Messi in a World Cup, which is obviously a huge thing. And it's not just that. It's that it's a guy at the beginning of his career. So Almada is a, a, a fantastic, you know, number 10 attacker winger, whichever you need in Atlanta for Atlanta. You know, he's a guy that is super dangerous, creates all sorts of dangerous situations. He's a guy that at sometimes this season has been kind of hampered by the talent around him and that he is, he is just so clearly at a level above where everyone else at Atlanta is that it's, it's sort of tough for him at some points because he is, he is ready for that next jump. Um, I would assume this winter, he's probably out of here for a huge transfer fee just because he is, he is that good. So yeah, he's one to keep an eye on. I don't know exactly where he'll go, but there will be clubs in Europe that are going to be keeping an eye on him and, and definitely have already been scouting him for a few years just because of how good he, he is and can be. Mm-hmm. So you expect him to play what sort of number 10 role, do you think? Yeah, I think I think definitely you'll see him on there as in the number 10 role. There's, there's a lot of number 10s in the squad because it's one of the interesting things is that MLS is really one of the last few leagues where the number 10 role is like the traditional number 10, as you think of it, where it's just like you're there to play make, you're not pressing, you're you're out there to do that sort of job. So that's one of the interesting things is that there are a whole lot of number 10s in this league at any given time. But yeah, he's 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 definitely the one with the most potential and the one that that could be the best out of all of them. So yeah, when you look at Almada, I would expect him to be on the field. You know, he like I said, he's dangerous. He he's he's he could hit set pieces. He could score from distance. He he sets teammates up. He's he's got a little bit of everything. So yeah, he's definitely one to watch out for. Uh-huh. I presume when the fans are voting for players to be involved in a squad, they've got to vote a certain amount of defenders, midfield, and forwards on there, yeah. so they don't just suddenly give Wayne Rooney ten forwards to go with. Yeah, he's got no defender. <laughs> yeah there is a there is it's broken. I think it's like four defenders, three midfield. I think it's like a four three three of how you like vote the players in. So yeah, they do get to vote. Uh, which is always interesting because usually the attackers are so obvious because you could just look at like so goals, 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 assists. But the defenders, you get a whole bunch of different votes going on because everyone kind of places a different emphasis on what they want to see. So it's it's definitely fun there. Okay. Right. Now we'll move on to, I can never pronounce this right. I think it's Rookie Piège. I think they pronounce Ricky it right Pooch. in, it's in Catalan anyway. Yeah. Um, obviously a player who, who came through at Barcelona and now playing his football at the Galaxy. I mean, how's he getting on over there? It's good. He is he is another one that um, you know, we'll just get out ahead of it. The, the Galaxy are not a good team this year. They're awful. They are not having the year that they that they all wanted. Um, Chicharito's hurt, which has definitely hurt him, but even before that, they kind of weren't really doing much. You know, they're a team that's kind of struggling on and off the field. But Ricky Pooch is is the bright spot. He is fantastic. You know, he is a player that technically uh you know coming from barcelona obviously is at a different level than 99 percent of the players in this league uh technically he is just so gifted and and even since since chicharito's gone down you've really seen him step up and kind of take a little bit more control which is something that that, that people were kind of waiting for you know you kind of wanted to see him step up and go from like all right yeah he's technically very good to like all right yeah he's the best player on the field a lot of the times where he's out there so yeah, that's kind of been the step for him. Um, most interesting moment this season for him was he he got into a little bit of a, a kerfuffle with Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, Chiellini called him a clown. Uh, there was a whole thing, you know, uh, Ricky Pooch scored against LAFC, their big rivals, and he did the messy hold up his shirt celebration to the crowd. And then after uh, after the game, Chiellini was caught uh, yelling at calling him a clown over and over again. So that's been a that's been a thing, a, a fun part of that little rivalry watching, you know those two teams kind of evolve and, but also have this, this new event to add to the, to the kind of history of that. So yeah, that's, that's been good, but yeah, watching him, he's, he's a special player who uh, seems to be kind of finding what everyone expected him to be in LA. 
I presume that uh, he's not going to fancy going up against Chiellini next time they play, though. He's going to get <laughs> the way that yeah. Chiellini operates. I'm sure it's going to be a few minutes before he goes through the back of him. Mm-hmm. Um, Petrovic, goalkeeper you've singled out now. Is he? Did he replace Matt Turner when Matt Turner left? Yep, that is, that is one thing I was going to bring up, is that he he was Matt Turner's direct replacement, and they actually mm-hmm. they actually worked together for those first few months before... Um, before Turner came over to Arsenal, you know. So basically what happened is is the Revs knew that Turner was leaving and they they knew that they needed to get their goalkeeper in. So they got him in a little bit early. And uh, you know, they I, I did an interview with Petrovic and then Ken Hitchcock, who's their goalkeeper coach, and I was asking him about that process. And basically they said that they saw one video of Petrovic and knew immediately that he was the guy. So they brought him over and uh, you know, he learned under Matt Turner for a few months. He he complimented Matt Turner for just how willing he was to not just be the starter, but also sort of be the mentor and and help him adjust to life in MLS. And since Matt Turner's left, you know, you could even argue that uh, that that Petrovic has been better, which is really saying something. Just because Turner was, you know, goalkeeper of the year over here, Petrovic has been fantastic, and he's someone that that is already starting to sort of earn the interest from abroad. I believe I've seen Manchester United and Liverpool and all these huge clubs kind of linked with him. So yeah, he's one to watch just as someone that could kind of move on pretty soon. And yeah, like I said. He he somehow the Revs found a guy that that not just replaced Matt Turner, but might be might be playing a little bit better than him. And that's uh that that's something tough, you know, over here to kind of replace a, a player you sell that quickly. So yeah, it's definitely a good one for them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, interesting. We'll talk about Matt Turner a little bit at the end of this. Uh, at the end of this bit. So, Hani Mukhtar uh, for Nashville, obviously holding his trophies there. MLS um, MVP, I think he was, wasn't he last time out? Yeah, he is. Uh, he is one of those attacking players that is just so damn good. Like you look at the way how important he is to Nashville. I think last year he contributed to like sixty something percent of Nashville's goals where it's just like an unheard of amount and that every single thing that team does goes through him. And, you know, he came over here originally as, as like a winger or a number eight, and they've kind of put him in that, you know, second striker role. And he's been incredible. You know, he's someone that, that is, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in this league, no doubt. Obviously the MVP trophy kind of proves that, but yeah, when you look at him, he's a guy who's going to play, you know, just behind the striker and, and sort of, influence everything that goes on you know if you're going to bet on someone to get a goal or an assist in this game you know he's he's pretty up there just because he's someone that is always contributing to to goals on that end so yeah he's one to watch just because of that you know mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking for someone that might just create the one moment where a goal goes in he's definitely one to keep an eye on sounds like wayne rooney's got a bit of a job on his hands getting mm-hmm. all these attacking midfielders into into his 11 now this is a player that a lot of arsenal players will know all about of course christian benteke um, plays for Wayne Rooney's DC, actually, doesn't he? And 
um, has gone over to the states. How's he? Um, how's he doing over there? Because it's certainly safe to say the last couple of years in the Premier League, the goals that we sort of became accustomed to from him for Villa, especially, didn't quite didn't quite pay out. He's a good bruising, powerful centre forward, but the goals dried up. Has he, has he found the goals again over in the states? Uh, yeah, fairly. You know, not he's not you know like exactly like killing the league. You know, he's not breaking goal scoring records, but you know exactly what you're going to get when you get Christian mm-hmm. Benteke on the field for at any level, you know, like you said, you, you're going to have that bruising center forward, typical, like, you know, you could hoof it up to him. He'll win the damn header and, and you can go on from there. Pre- you're going to have that presence. And that was what Wayne Rooney wanted. You know, when Rooney stepped into that DC team, uh, I think everyone involved knew that it was a complete rebuild. It wasn't like, Oh, we're two or three signings away. It was, we're like 12 signings away is sort of where they were. And, and Benteke was brought in to kind of be, one of the key pieces that that kind of helped bridge that gap between when this team is good and and where the team was before. So yeah, that you know what you're going to get out of him, you know, with if DC's not necessarily dominating possession or they're not, you know, with the talent around him isn't that good, you could just hoof it up to him and you might get a goal or two out of it. So yeah, that's kind of where they're at with him. He's he's done pretty well. I think he's got seven or eight goals this year. You know, he's someone that he's he's been getting his goals and and he's been getting them in a variety of ways and he's always dangerous. So yeah, with Benteke, you just you know what you're signing up for. So that's kind of what makes him such an interesting presence because one, he won't be afraid of of any of these Arsenal defenders. He's probably played against a bunch of them at some point. And two, you know, he's someone where MLS team obviously isn't going to have any sort of chemistry or tactics or or anything going on, considering they've only played like trained together for like two or three days. So yeah, at some point you might just see him hoof the ball up to Benteke and make something happen. So definitely one to watch. Yeah, that'll be quite a physical battle, him versus Saliba and Gabriel if if Arteta starts with those two. And from one striker to another, we'll move on to uh, Jesus Ferreira, who my brother, who lives in Dallas, would uh, not forgive me if I didn't mention him in this one. Very good goal scoring record. His um, interesting one. I was talking to my brother about him last night, actually, and he was telling me about how he's doing very well for the states in some of the smaller games. But when you when they're putting him on in some of the bigger games, he, he's really sort of struggling to make much of an impact. So, w- what are your thoughts on on Ferreira in terms of where he is right now? Yeah, Ferreira's an interesting one. Uh... The, he, he just was was given a new nickname this summer, the Pirate of the Caribbean, because he was only scoring big goals against Caribbean teams. So, yeah, he's got that new nickname. You know, the, there's all the photoshops with him on Captain Jack Sparrow going around. It's become a, a big thing with the national team. And there's this big debate, like you said, on, on what he can do against sort of the bigger opponents, just because his goal scoring record is incredible. You know, he's he's already nearly in the top 10 of goal scorers in U.S. men's national team history. But. I think like nine of those goals have come against Grenada, St. Kitts and Nevis and Trinidad and Tobago. So yeah, it's such an interesting thing just because you can only score against who's in front of you. And obviously, you know, the likes of Christian Pulisic and Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey, they also played those teams too. You know, it's not like there's, he's the only one in national team history to ever play against those guys, but Mm -hmm. yeah, his goal scoring record is sort of very much, it's really good, but when you dive into the numbers, it's, it's sort of in a weird spot. So yeah, a lot of discussions for him on what he needs to do to kind of get better. You know, there's a lot of talks about Europe. You know, there was links to Napoli at one point. You know, a lot of clubs are kind of taking a look at him, and he's he's someone in that age range. I think he's 22, 21 or 22. So he'll he's he's about ready to hop over and kind of make an impact. But yeah, he's definitely one to keep an eye on, not just in this game, but kind of looking at the the transfer side of things because it seems like he'll move on at some point soon too. Mm-hmm. So what you what are you expecting from this one? Do you think Arsenal are going to be too strong, or do you think the MLS can can pull it off? So, yeah, it's one of those things where, it, like, like you kind of mentioned it earlier, it really just depends on how seriously Arteta wants to take it, you know, mm-hmm. in that, you know, some teams, you know, they've, 
they've given the starters 20 minutes or 30 minutes and then they've kind of gone in and it made some changes since then. So, you know, if, if, if Arteta is going to play the lineup that, you know, everyone kind of expects for a good chunk, then like, obviously, yes, Arsenal are a better team than the MLS all-stars. So yeah, really interesting just to kind of see, you know, what that lineup kind of looks like and also how Wayne Rooney manages it. Cause like you said, there's a lot of, there's a whole lot of number tens in there and there's a whole lot of attacking players and trying to find you, you know, it's one of those things with those games where you kind of want to get everyone a chance to get on the field just because it's as many players as you can, at least, you know, they do that for all the all-star games here where you kind of want everyone to play because it is an, it is an achievement in honoring sort of the season they've had. So you kind of want to give everyone that sort of run out. So yeah, I think it depends on lineups, but like you said, it's Arsenal obviously are at a different class. So if Arteta wants to get out there and win this game, then like, yeah, they can go out and win this game. So, but other than that, realistically, it is it is kind of just a fun exercise. It is something where you get to see some unique matchups and play. But if I was to predict, I'd pro- I'll probably I'll take Arsenal like three two, just mm-hmm. because you know you want to see goals. So yeah, let's hope for goals. Yeah, I think Mikel will take it pretty seriously. I mean, just the Nuremberg game he played last week for the first for the first forty five minutes, he went very very strong, made some changes after that. But I think he'll he'll look to step it up the longer this tour goes. Give people from forty five minutes to sixty minutes, and we haven't seen players like Martinelli yet. And a couple others, but I think he'll go pretty strong. I think definitely for the first half, maybe for the first hour, he'll 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 go strong. He won't make he won't make changes after twenty five minutes. Um, before we quickly move on to, to having a quick chat about Flo Balligan and Matt Turner, um, the skills challenge is a really interesting one. I wasn't aware of this at all, and so this happens the night before the game, but it happens at the stadium. It's a big event. It's going to be Arsenal versus the All Stars again. So Arsenal players are going to be involved in this, and it's a proper competitive thing, isn't it? You have got different categories of skills, and they're all competing each other to to win can you explain it a little bit yeah so if it's like if if you follow the nba it's like the slam dunk contest or if you follow baseball it's like the home run derby where the the night before the game you just have this sort of weird challenge night where you you try all these different things and and you get to do all of these different competitions you know it's it's stuff for that's a a crossbar challenge or there's like a shootout challenge where you're hitting targets in the goal there's there's crossing there's all these different sorts of challenges that are that kind of offer a a different fun way to compete it's it's a lot of the stuff that you would do with your friends you know just outside when you're just kicking the ball around so it's it's kind of that old school you know throwback you know playground fun games for these guys to compete which is fun because you get to see players you know who are obviously at the peak of their thing you know a peak of their game just kind of line up and do a crossbar challenge just like you would with, when you were kind of growing up so there's a fun aspect to it you know they get like goalie wars going which is obviously a weird one and, and pretty fun but yeah it's just it's just one of those fun things but also one that that quickly goes from oh we're having a good time to like oh good we want to win this thing and guys get real competitive with it really quickly you know a few years ago it came down to the last kick where nani had to hit the crossbar to win so you know it's one of those things where it like i said it, it gets competitive really quickly just because all these guys are competitors same way when they do these sorts of things on the training ground so yeah it'll be fun to watch those guys kind of go head to head with that yeah did nanny hit the bar yeah oh yeah it was it's, it. yeah it was it was wild so yeah like like i said it just it, it starts off pretty light and then by the end once everyone kind of realizes they can win the thing it, it starts kind of heating up so it should be fun to watch uh everyone go head to head and do these these fun little challenges yeah no looking forward to that um okay let's quickly talk about um uh flo balligan he's obviously sort of center attention at the moment i saw he did a big oh, yeah. round of interviews yesterday after training um, you know, he's made this big move over to the US, choosing choosing to represent US over over England, which is obviously big, big headlines over on both sides of the Atlantic. And you know, his future is very much up for debate at Arsenal at the moment. I think he's definitely going to play, play a big part in this tour. And then when he gets back to England, I still think he's probably going to end up going. But we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But how, you know, how much sort of headlines is is Flo making over there, and how big a thing 
A, was it for him to pick the US and B, potentially, you know, what might happen to his future this summer? Yeah, it's it's been it's been a really quick, uh, quick rise for him in a way in terms of like he's already one of the key players with the national team and he's played two games. You know, he came right in and is immediately, you know, he scores in his second game and kind of shows exactly why the U.S. was so keen to get him in. You know, for years, the U.S. has been missing a number nine. Uh, you know, you look at the World Cup and it was kind of nines by committee and they couldn't find that goal score. And when you look at the international level, a team that doesn't have a number nine, there's there's only so far you can go because you, you have to be able to have a guy on your team that just goes out and gets goals. And the U.S. just didn't really have one of those and they haven't had one for years. And the thought here is that Balogun could be that guy. You know, you look at the last season he had and, and, and all the goals he scored and then he comes into the U.S. game and just scores, you know, it was one simple through ball from Gio Reyna and he just smashed it. Like, and you know, that's something the U.S. has lacked, the guy who has the confidence to just, like, absolutely smash the ball, knowing that it's going to go in the back of the net. So, yeah, it's been huge. You know, I was in Orlando uh, when the whole Balogun watch was starting. You know, it started with he posted a picture on Instagram and, and, and U.S. men's national team Twitter realized that it was in Orlando because they saw a mural in the background. And it turned into this whole, you know, Internet detective campaign to figure out where he was. But yeah, I was in Orlando in that first game. He wasn't even there, but there were signs. There were people wearing Balogun USA jerseys, and he hadn't even committed yet. You know, so it was it's a whole thing, and, and people are really into it. People are really excited about him. But yeah, there's obviously still a lot to figure out in terms of his club situation uh, before we can really see where he's going to be going into the next friendlies uh, later this year. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really interesting what happens. I just, I think he's going to go. I'd be surprised if he yeah. doesn't just because of his contract situation. But, you know, if he has a really good tour, if he scores some goals in his next few games, he's going to make it very difficult for Arsenal to potentially sell him. Um, uh, Matt Turner as well. How much sort of focus is there over there at the moment on what's going on with Matt Turner? Because he, he came over last year, you know, he's, he's been re- really popular behind the scenes. Whenever I spoke to Matt, he's a, he's a really good guy. He's got a brilliant Yeah, Matt's great. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah, he really yeah. is. And that comes across, but he just hasn't, you know, he hasn't played much. And when he has played, he looks a little bit nervy, which is understandable because he's probably desperate to make an impact. And when you do that, you know, sometimes mistakes can come into your game. So I think he's a very good goalkeeper. He showed that in the World Cup. Is there a worry over in the States about his lack of game time? And it feels like there must be really. Yeah. So that's, that's the big concern. Um, Just because when you look back, the reason that Matt Turner's breakthrough kind of happened is because Zach Steffen wasn't getting the minutes at Manchester city. That was sort of how it all started. And that Turner, you know, had a good gold cup and then they brought him in with Stefan. Stefan wasn't really playing at city. And, and when he got to the U S he was having those moments where maybe he was a little too eager to impress and a little bit too, too out of form and a little bit rusty. And he was making some of those uncharacteristic mistakes. And that's kind of how Turner, you know, jumped ahead of him is because he was playing in new England. Turner was on the bench at Manchester city. And when it came down to it, Turner was the guy in form. And then he took the ball and ran with it. So now it's kind of funny that Turner finds himself in the position where, where Stefan was a few years ago, where he's looking at maybe not getting as many games. And I think that's the big concern this year is looking ahead at Arsenal's schedule, you know, going from the Europa league to the champions league. It's like that takes out a competition where he could have played, you know, so realistically, you're looking at his his game schedule. And it, other than the Carabao Cup and FA Cup, there's really nothing there. And even then, like, we'll see how deep Arsenal go in the competition, you know, and that's not really what you want to necessarily bank on. You don't want to bank on your goalkeeper only having those games and only really getting a run if Arsenal go deep into the competition. So, yeah, it's a tricky spot for him. Um, I don't think anyone's like panicking just yet, just because we are a few years out for the World Cup. But I think everyone's kind of keeping an eye on on what happens with him. The good news is that he's been fantastic with the U.S. every time. Uh, you know, this summer he he played in the Nations League, 
Um, and then when the rest of his teammates, you know, went on went on holiday, he asked to stay and play in the Gold Cup, which is obviously something he did not have to do. You know, he sacrificed his whole summer to play these games for the U.S. because, you know, I assume because he knew he wasn't going to get that many for Arsenal. So, yeah, no vacation for him, no holiday, no break. He just stayed right through it and kind of kept grinding out these games and, and getting some experience under his belt. So, yeah, it's an interesting to watch, one to watch. I think everyone's a little bit nervous just to see what happens, but I think next year will probably be where everyone's trying to kind of starts to panic uh, and worry about his playing time. Yeah, I think he, he'll probably have to re. I mean, just from a professional point of view, he'll probably have to reassess it. I think at the end of the next season, there's no way Arsenal are going to do anything this season and let him go because they don't want to fight. They don't want to worry about bringing in another number two this summer when they've got so many other priorities in the transfer market. But I think at the end of the next season, like you say, if if Ramsdale doesn't get injured, which Touchwood he won't, um, you know, you just don't see where the games are coming because Champions League, Mikel's not going to. I just don't think yeah. he's going to rotate the goalkeeper in the Champions League in the group stages. So you just really don't see where he's going to get many minutes aside, as you said, from from those early rounds of the cup competitions. Um, look, Ryan, it's fantastic. We've done this for over half an hour now. I really do appreciate your time and all your um, you know, expert sort of insight into what Arsenal are going to face over the next couple of days or so in the skills challenge, which I can't wait to have a look at, <laughs> and then the match itself uh, in the early hours, our time over here in the UK on Thursday morning. So I hope everyone watching or listening to this, this is giving you a really good sort of indication of what is to come over the next couple of days with Arsenal at the start of the US tour over in LA and yeah join me again for tomorrow's episode of Inside Arsenal I'm going to be speaking to James Benj of CBS we're gonna have a bit of an extended chat about all things Arsenal where they are at the moment heading into the new season the transfer market and everything in between so if you've got any questions for me and James please do reply to them if you're watching this on YouTube in the comments section below and we'll get to those at the end of the discussion thanks again everyone and thank you very much Ryan have a great day mate yep, thank you man appreciate it